Hello, everybody. Welcome to OK Boomer. This is your host, David Knight. This is episode eight with John McLean on his book, Change a Constant Challenge. So we have John in Sydney, Australia. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Dave. How was that almond latte? Because I know you don't start this show without an almond latte. Well, remembering that it's morning time here in Sydney, so it's a great way to start the day, as I'm sure many people know. I'm a big fan of coffee. Maybe big fan of I, I train for coffee. And we have a very, very special guest and mutual longtime friend, Ms. Wendy Ingram, otherwise known as Wing. Uh, good morning, Wendy, or good evening. It's, it's evening for us right here in Colorado. Well, yeah, late afternoon. Late afternoon. And you're just back from the horse farm. Thank you for feeding the horses and making everybody comfortable down there. What have you got sheep? You've got horses. What else have you got down there? Uh, cats, dogs. Awesome. Horses, cats, dogs, chickens. Yeah, chickens, and you have to have chickens. some mice. You have to have some mice running around because it wouldn't be a farm without well, mice. You know, ironically enough, my chickens are better mice catchers than my cats. Well, there you go. Who knew? That's a new yeah, one. Yeah, I see them running across the field with mice. So yeah. Cool. You bet. They're carnivores. They They're carnivores. They are raptors running Rap across raptors. the field. <laughs> Dinosaurs Mini incarnated. Raptors. Mini raptors. <laughs> well, we do digress, but we are here to talk about John's book, Change a Constant Challenge. And uh, Wendy, it's so great to have you as a guest. You're our second guest here. We had Lou Friedland last week who says hello when we told him we were going to have you on the show next. And uh, we're just going to talk about all the fun things we've done together and uh, dig into what motivates you and what, make, what got you into a professional sport. And um, I'm going to let John take the mic and lead away with some questions to get this ball rolling. Perfect. Thanks, Wing. Uh, thanks for joining us. Of course. Uh, Although just, my just, favorite Australian coffee is a flat white. There you go. Flat white. Yeah, we do yeah. flat whites here. Yep. I love those. We, inv we yeah. invented them actually. Well, we're having a bit of an argument with the New Zealanders, but we did invent the flat white. You should take uh, that credit. Wing, I wanted to go back. Obviously, there's that wonderful photo that um, Dave's got up on the screen about you crawling to the finish line with Sean. Before we get to that, uh, I was kind of keen to get an insight to you as a young girl and getting involved in sport. Can you share with us how you first got into sport? Well, uh, it was sort of ingrained in our community. Everybody did sports. Uh, I grew up in the country on a lake. Um, if it wasn't sailing or soccer or tennis or swimming, you know, everyone did sport, even water skiing, snow skiing. Uh, I happened to pick swimming. I like to challenge myself. Uh, when I was probably about nine years old, my best friend lived on an island straight in front of our house. It was probably about a mile and a half away. And the only way I could get to see my friend is if my mom gave me a ride out in the boat. Well, one day I just decided to swim there. I'm like, I can do this. So I swam to the island and played with my friend and then called my mom to come pick me up. Needless to say, she was furious. She's like, you could have gotten ran over by another boat. I'm like, but I didn't and I'm here. Can you come pick me up? So I think it's just the urge of always challenging myself, uh, doing things when people said you can't do it, proving them wrong. Um, I always like that challenge. And even today, I think I'm still, you know, battling that challenge. People are telling me I can't do this and I can't do that. And I like to prove them wrong. 
So, Wendy, you swam pretty competitively at a high level at college, right? Talk, talk us through that. What did you get up to? Yeah, so really I didn't start my competitive swimming until I was about 13 years old. Uh, I joined a swim team where my dad, uh, he was a high-level sailor, uh, went to Olympic trials, and his partner, uh, his, one of his crew was a swim coach in uh, our small town, Kalamazoo. And uh, his friend said, well, you should have your daughter come swim for my swim team. So I joined the Kalamazoo Wildcats. And that's sort of when I started swimming and then just never stopped. Went all the way to college at Michigan State. And then uh, I swam out at Mission Viejo on the national team in the summer times and uh, did my Christmas training with John Urbanchek, who was actually the Michigan coach. Uh, also, he was an Olympic coach. So, yeah. Awesome. And when was, when, when was that transition? When was the transition from swimming into multi-sport? That actually happened uh, after college. I wanted to, you know, stay fit and in shape, and my dad made a bet with me. Uh, we had a small triathlon in our hometown on the lake I grew up in, and he uh, bet me I couldn't finish one. Bad bet on his part. Yeah. So Bad bet. You, so you ended, up, you, you ended up winning that triathlon, both male and female category, right? Yes, I did. So a trip. Yep. With, uh, and I actually had a flat tire too because I didn't know how to change it. I mean, I just <laughs> borrowed a bike. <laughs> so, awesome. how did how did that then transition into Ironman? What take take us on that journey? Uh, it was a pretty slow journey, honestly. Uh, I, at that time, we had the Bud Light series, um, and uh, I went and raced in Chicago, Mrs. T's, which was a was or actually I think it was Bud Light back then. It was a big race. It was probably the biggest one in the nation. And uh, I qualified for Hilton Head, South Carolina, which was the Bud Light Nationals. And I went to that um, in 1986, I believe. Maybe it was 87. No, it was 86. Yeah, and I that's where I kind of met all my core friends that I'm still with today. Uh, my business partner and, um, you know, we represent athletes, Shannon Delaney, I met there and, and a few other characters that still hang out in the sport, uh, Mark Allen. I remember getting an award from him because I won my age group and I told him, uh, I go, one day I'm going to be like you. And uh, wow. sure enough, I didn't get the Nike contract, but I got some similar ones. That's awesome. So was, was Mark a mentor? I mean... How did, this, how did that picture go from your first Ironman into your first time at Kona? Can you kind of share that? Yeah, I would say at the time, Mark was my idol. You know, uh, I appreciated his ethics and training, and he was always very cordial to everybody, you know, no matter what position you were in the sport, from an age grouper to a sponsor to a race director. I just always watched him, and he was actually a really fabulous speaker. Um, I do know that his wife, then Julie Moss, helped him on his speeches, I later on learned. Uh, but um, I, uh, my first Ironman was more like I wanted a trip to Hawaii, and in the process I had to do an Ironman. So well, there you go. it was kind of like winning that uh, when you go to a timeshare. You have to sit in the meeting for you know, half a day, but you get to go to Hawaii for four days. So, oh, well, there you go. And what was your, yeah. what was your, what was your time? Do you remember? What was your first oh, Kona? Wow. I think it was like, I want to say it was 10, 11. Right. Like not too godly bad. Oh, it's great. Um, 
but uh, I remember talking to Scott Tinley at the Pancake Shack uh, and asking what you eat at the turnaround. And he goes, and he was with a bunch of other pros, and I think they were just playing a trick on me. <laughs> and they said, oh, uh, you want to eat a McDonald's hamburger at the turnaround on the bike. So the night before, I went and got a McDonald's cheeseburger <laughs> and put it in my feed bag right. for the turnaround. I got to tell you, that was the best hamburger ever. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. bad. <laughs> it was you, so good. The you salt. Do, you do need something salty for sure. Oh man, yeah. that's great. So that was that used to be my nutrition. So, so let's go back to the awesome. swim. Sorry, no. Back yeah. to the swim. Presumably, you were out of the water towards the front end. Yeah, even back then, you know, when I did my first Ironman in ninety, see ninety seven or ninety eight, um, or eighty nine. Sorry, uh, it was myself, Enie Jones, and uh, Rob Mackle, Wolfgang Dietrich. Um, we were sort of the lead, the lead swimmers. And back then, we all went at once. All 1,500 of us uh, went off at the same time. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. And then at that point, pros were always want, trying to line up behind me because uh, they thought I'd carry them through the whole swim. You know, I'd get Mark Allen and Dave Scott and Scott Tinley and um, they'd all be ta tapping you, others. tapping you on the toes, going, "Come on, pick it up, pick it up, Wendy." Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, one time Peter Reed, I think it was a year I wasn't racing or something. He goes, "Can I just pay you to do the swim so I can follow you?" <laughs> Quite a fish. So, yeah. so, yeah. so talk us about the transition. You're out, you're out of the water. You're on your bike. What's what's that starting to look like? And given that nutrition wasn't a big part, you've got a hamburger at the turnaround, but how was that for you when you were starting to take off on the bike and obviously some of the stronger cyclists were coming from behind? How did that go with your psyche and obviously nutrition along along the Queen K? Well, you know, in the beginning, it was just sort of like I wanted to finish the damn thing because I wanted to get to the beach and, you know, have fun with my friends. So, like I said, it was sort of like sitting in that, you know, half-day meeting um, but then as I got progressed and got more serious and realized I had some potential in the sport, um, I, you know, worked with Bill Vaughn at Goo and we kind of created a special goo, um, that could get me through the race without eating a cheeseburger. And my training became more refined. My body became more refined, more efficient. And as it became more efficient, I, I needed less of those calories and, you know, maybe some more potassium, more sodium different uh, other elements that was added into my nutrition for Gate, uh, racing Gator, because Gator, the faster Gatorade, you go. Gatorade. 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 Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I drink Pepsi. <gasps> That's if you right. remember. I do. I do Pepsi. remember. Pepsi. Yeah. So speaking of yeah. Gatorade, uh, I think we all ended up meeting through Gatorade at the NBA, NBA All-Stars in Atlanta where we saw Michael Jordan play. Oh, that was pretty special. That was a pretty special weekend. Yes, that was. And and uh, you called out. Uh, it snowed. You called, remember? It snowed. You called out. There Snoop, was that snowstorm, and we couldn't find winter jackets anywhere. That's because Snoop Dogg had all the mink coats. I know he did, and we yeah. tried to steal it from him. Yeah, well, you did. To be clear. <laughs> well, no, but you, 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 you bet I couldn't do it. So that's see, now we know. See, we want Wendy to do anything. Just say she can't do that, and it happened. So that's yeah. that's that motivation streak. Yeah, so that exactly. was a, that was a special weekend, and then um, 
the three of us, if we remember, were a team at the Challenged Athletes so CAF down in Laguna. And uh, I think I was the swimmer. And uh, Wendy, you did the bike. And John, you did the run on your in your speedy chair. So I set you guys up for success. I know I came out of the water first and just get you guys in the lead. Is that your memory wing that they came out of the water first and the other guys hadn't yet gotten on their bikes? Is that what you recall? I have no memory of this, but that's okay. <laughs> but that was a that was a special weekend. Gosh, you know that whole um, Ironman fraternity and the CAF fraternity. We've actually got Bob Bab Babbitt coming on soon, who I think was one of the founders of of CAF, to talk about that. But that weekend was super special, John. You reminded us that. Uh, Another person that was there was Robin Williams, who was a huge supporter of CAF, a big cyclist. Um, Wendy, you rode with Robin a few times, did you not? Yeah, yeah, Robin and I, you know, uh, living in San Francisco, we did quite a few rides together. I think I was sort of sometime his wingman out there. Yeah. Um, so Robin de definitely was a huge supporter of CAF and you know, that's probably one of the biggest foundations that I really enjoy supporting, just the stories and um, the su success behind their program um, and getting kids out there and, and, you know, anyone, even you, John, you know, uh, what it's done for you. Um, it's just been an amazing journey, you know, being a part of that foundation. Yeah, special, special people, special times. I've got some Absolutely, great memories Absolutely, they of still are. I remember um, Wing, Dave and I were kind of sitting down in one of the uh, diners within the Valencia, I think might have been the, the host hotel. Yeah. And we were, in this, we were in this booth and we knew that Robin was next door talking to some people because how can you not know that Robin Williams is in the room and obviously next yeah. door to you talking. So there was a, a, a healthy vibe. So Dave and I are given our, you know, from Australia, so we're talking Australian. And he picked up on that. He came into our booth. He just took off on an Australian spiel for a while. It was yeah. hilarious. And then he just disappeared. So it was so yeah. wonderful to have that opportunity because the movie Dead Poets Society was the movie that inspired me to go back to finally get it right in 1997. Um, so it was wonderful to have a brief moment in time with him just to thank him for that movie. And I remember his response was, yeah, it was brilliant. I was in it. So that was the fine line. <laughs> yeah, he, so, he, yeah just, he just he remembered he was in it. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he just plonked out of this booth and goes, G'day, Cobber, how's it going? And he just like went on to this like 20 minute diatribe of speaking Australian. It was like if we recorded it, it would have been just like the funniest thing ever because he was just like on 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 deck and, you know, having a having a, a solo comedic performance for John and I it was just hilarious. It was just a fun time. Yeah, Wonderful he was always really. Sorry, yeah. It really, yeah, it really did, you know, spur on a lot of other celebrities and brought in a lot of notoriety, you know, just from his star power um, and his passion as well. Um, you know, regardless of where his position was on the social ladder, you know, just his passion for it was really wonderful. And, and even today, you know, his family goes back and, and represents CAF in his behalf, which is, is really great. That's awesome. That's awesome. What great stuff. Now, John, you weren't there. Thank goodness you weren't there. But Wendy and I met up in Lijiang, China at another event uh, put on by Murph Reinschreiber. So this is the Mile 7 Outdoor Quest. So this was like a, it was either three or five day adventure race. It was all a blur. But it was up in the foothills of the Himalayas. Five. In these back, was it five days? 
It was so. Yeah. The it Jade was, Mountain Dragon or the Jade Dragon Mountains, right? Yeah, we had to kayak down the Yangtze For River and the Dragon Gorge and do all this crazy stuff. And we're going through villages that had never seen white people, let alone white people, on mountain bikes and running and inline <laughs> skating, and and it was just crazy stuff. But here's the funny inside story. So. Wendy was captaining a team. I captained the Gatorade team. We were all amateurs, right? We were just daily work people that just thought we'd do this because I got a team slot because we sponsored the race. And so I had all my mates from you know Hong Kong and Australia, and we, we we're going on this. We're going through this gorge through this cavern, and you had to climb up, and ultimately you had to climb up this ravine and come out a hole in the ground. And unfortunately, the hole in the ground was about three inches smaller than my hips. And uh, so <laughs> I've got, I think Wendy was up above the ground. I had the team behi- below me pushing me through this hole. I felt like Winnie the Pooh stuck in a, in a hole in a, in a tree. And Wendy between trying to drag me out and laughing, <laughs> I was literally stuck, stuck in this rock hole for about, felt like days, but about half an hour, I guess, until they finally stripped the skin off my hips and just pulled me through this rock hole. But I think, Wendy, that's but when you had- Good. Oh, you had that Gatorade outfit on. Of course, I was Gator Man. You were Gator Man. I was Gator Man. Yeah, and so we were (laughs) pulling the outfit, and it was made out of um, lycra. So like the the outfit was coming through, but David wasn't. I mean, you had to have such a snuggie from us pulling that. I it was it was uncomfortable for sure. But uh, yeah, that was yeah. good fun. Well, that, see, that's a, the cool thing is when you get into sport, like at that kind of level, everybody's challenging you to do stuff you really shouldn't be doing. But that was one of those events where it was like crazy that we actually finished it after five days. But uh, good fun. Now, Wendy, I want you yeah. to I, I want you to focus on 1997. I mean, this is a famous Ironman moment where you and Sean Welsh were fighting for fourth and fifth place. I believe, right? And it was a brutal day, and you guys are getting to the finish line. Talk, talk me through that. We can see the photos here on the screen, but one of them's you taking off to to get to the finish line first, crawling, and Shian still realizing that she's collapsed and needs to chase you. So you both literally crawled to the finish line. Yeah, you know, even though that. Uh, race was 20 some odd years ago. Uh, it's still pretty etched in my mind. Um, it was probably one of the moments that defined me and Ironman. Um, just and any athlete, the the persevere and and determination to get to a finish line after a, you know 10 hours of racing. I think actually at that point we were at nine hours something. Um, so I just uh, remember, and it, it even started way back at mile 13. I, I led that whole race until mile 13 on the run, and I had lost my sodium pills. And that was the one thing that I sort of needed to keep my muscles going. Um, Nutrition-wise, you know, calorie-wise, I was good. I was still clear and cognizant in my mind, but my body was just not, not functioning due to losing my little salt pills. Um, and nobody had potato chips like I was asking for potato chips, anything, but there was nothing out there at the time. Um, so yeah, I just remember telling myself like, you can do this, like you can overcome the cramping. Um, you just have to find a way to get to the finish line. And 
as I was rounding the bend, which you can see at the photo on the right, there's like a bunch of red flags. I could, I was probably at that point and I saw Sean fall down and I'm like, I know I can catch her. Like nothing's gonna stop me. And I just did this like praying mantis run, like everything I could do to just move forward. And then Sean was holding onto the railing and she fell in front of me. And as I sidestepped to avoid tripping over her, like it was enough just to cramp up every muscle in my body and I fell and I tried to get up, but like I was, my back was going into spasms and I could see the finish line and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like after trying to get up two or three times, I'm like, I'm just going to crawl. That's the fastest way to get there at this point. <laughs> I don't think she's getting up because Sean just kept falling backwards and over herself. And there's just like, I, I got this. So that's at the moment where, you know, still I was clear in my mind so I could think, you know, clearly what the next step would be, which was crawling. And then, and then Sean started to crawl too, right? So there was two of you crawling together and you got to the finish line first and then she got across and you guys celebrated it. And as, as painful as it looked, it must have been horrific on the inside for you. Well, actually, the worst part were my knees because that carpeting is not knee friendly right. um, I, <laughs> at all. So, uh, yeah, I just, you know, when I finally crossed the line, I think I was just sitting there in pure exhaustion and not that my body was exhausted. It's just like mentally I was exhausted. Like, you know, that took so much mental power to get across to, you know, make it to that finish line. And I looked and I saw Sean and that's where I reached out my hand, you know, to pull her across the line. Um, because she's my friend, you know, we, we went to a lot of races together and talk about some fun memories. Yeah, so, that's yeah. a that's a really tight group, right? You, Julie Moss, Sean, and there's probably three or four others that uh, you know always congregate together. Even, probably even now, when you get a chance to catch up and reflect on what you guys did for the sport in terms of just leading the way for females to actually participate, right, and uh, prove that uh, you could do it and do it really, really well. Yeah, you know, because back at the time we raced every uh, race across the board. You know, we'd be doing an Ironman one weekend, you know, in Germany, and the next weekend we would be doing Nice, France, and then we'd go to Ireland for an ITU short course race. And so there's just really a core group of us, um, mostly Murphy's athletes, because he was our agent back then, would just all travel together. So it was like Fernanda Keller, Greg Welch, Paula Newby Frazier, um, Wolfgang Dietrich, Jurgen Zach, um, Sean, uh, Carol Montgomery, Karen Smyers, uh, sometimes McKeeley Jones would come along with us. But yeah, we, we, we had some good times traveling the world and exploring and, and, uh, and, and racing every weekend. Um, it was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. Hey, Wing, I wanted to jump in. I presume you've had a conversation with Julie Moss around her crawling to the line. I think it might have been 82 and then you and Sean crawling to the line. And again, those significant moments and so powerful in the history of the Ironman brand. Did you have those conversations with Julie about her experiences? Uh, yeah, we, we talked about it, you know, a couple times. I mean, ours, I think our experiences were, the, the outcome was the same, but it, it was a little, little different. Um, you know, she, I think hers was just more of a training thing. 
you know, not maybe having the miles behind her because it was also new. You know, she did hers for a uh, class project, um, whereas <laughs> I was doing that for the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was a little different back then. But, you know, absolutely, uh, you know, we, we define the sport and, you know, kind of the slogan, anything can happen. And, um, you know, we if you really put your mind to it and, and some determination and dedication, you can, you can do an event like the Ironman. So that leads to like Wendy, you know, there's a lot of people listen to this and hopefully some young female athletes who are trying to define themselves. Like what's the words of advice, jump into the mentor shoes that I'm sure you, you do very well for lots of athletes around you and the ones you manage, but what, what's kind of like the, big words of wisdom, you know, top three or four things to think about as a young athlete trying to get somewhere? Well, um, I think, and John will probably agree to this because, I mean, look where you're at today, you know, you definitely have to be patient, patient with your process, patient with what you believe in. Um, and I, you know, John, you've done some very incredible things, you know, over the last couple of years and, um, here, you know, I'm now rehabilitating horses uh, through, you know, kids with depression and anxiety, and we get setbacks along the way, and it's the same when you're young. You, you have to be very patient with yourself, and you have to be able to adjust to change, you know, on, on a turn of a dime. Like, you know, you could get injured, but that doesn't mean you're going to go back out and run 100 miles. You just have to be flexible enough to readjust to the plan and believe that it's going to work. Um, sometimes it takes another extra three months, but if you believe in what you want to do, um, it's it's worth it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I think we've all we've all set ourselves goals that we may not have achieved the first time around, and it takes a time to dig deep reflect you know learn and grow and and give it another give it another crack as they would say in australia give it a crack john yeah and the thing that kind of sticks out for me i always like to go back to the origins of a driver and david and i had a conversation a while back about motivation this piece about you know us motivating ourselves and i mean for me back in 94 watching welshie win first uh non-american and john franks being the first uh, wheelchair athlete that was a huge motivator but when I look about on your story wing about, you know, your dad saying, you know, he's an event and you can't do it. That was a huge motivator for you externally to go up review wrong. And maybe that same mindset was the one within you when you got to that point with that race with Sean going, I got this. And everything in your being got you to cross that line. So I think back to the youth, find a dream and for you, you know, I love the bit about I'm, I'm going to swim to my friend's place because it might be quicker than getting in a car or doing uh, finding another way. So I like this piece about following dreams and believing in yourself, building teams to support, and you'll you'll go however far you're going to go. But again, that uh, that image of you for me, because it took me three times to get it right, and '97 was my year. I didn't get a chance to yeah. see these images until uh, well after, because obviously I, I finished a lot later than you. Um, but I think, you know, back, back to kids and having dreams to believe in. These images uh, are ones for the ages to, you know, young girls getting out there and wanting to do a, a triathlon. Um, a huge motivator is to continue to try your best because I think that's key, right? I mean, you're not always going to win, but I think you win by crossing the line or chasing your dream. 
Yeah, I agree. And I do remember, John, you racing that year because after my race, I went back out and uh, cheered people on after I went home and got my McDonald's cheeseburger and... Uh, <laughs> and Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, and my Pepsi. Yes, and then I was back out on the race course cheering people along, you know, that were out there well into the night. But um, I do remember seeing you out there uh, and it was just, and it was an incredible, incredible sight just seeing you just power through something so hard. I mean, it's hard enough, you know, doing Ironman with two legs and two arms, but let alone what you've done is, is uh, really paved the way for a lot of people. I mean, you look at uh, Chris, who just the first um, Down syndrome kid that did it this last weekend in Florida. I that mean, was amazing. I, I, think, I, I yeah. followed yeah. that all day. It was just incredible, mm -hmm. the, the strength. To I mean, that. and you're, you're sort of the pioneer behind, you know, telling people with challenges that there are no challenges. You know, you, you just will find a way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, thanks, Wing. I, I think there's that beautiful piece about, you know, being inspired by others and, you know, watching you race and watching Welsh and, you know, all those guys really motivated me to want to see myself as being equal. And my platform was Ironman. You know, is it possible for a wheelchair athlete? I don't know, but let's try. And it took me three attempts to, to get it right. And it's wonderful that, you know, with you and others that I call friends today, I would never have thought that when I was watching a television, you know, aspiring to one day get to Kona, that we have, you know, opened up the doors for others. And, and seeing that young guy, Chris, Again, goosebumps, right? Thinking, I just love that his coach or mentor that was with him along the way and driving him towards that finish line. It kind of makes us all come back to being equal. Um, so it's wonderful that the sport's evolved to where it is today. And, and again, all the stories. So many people will be inspired by wanting to chase their dreams by you know watching Chris cross the line on the weekend. Yeah, lots of, for sure. Lots of fun. Sorry, Wendy, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, that's the wonderful thing about Ironman is you have so many countries and so many people and so many different stories, but there's always that one end story, and that's getting to the finish line and completing your journey, um, and that's, that's what's so special about it. There's no division. There's no, um, you know, I don't know, hierarchy or anything. It's just everybody out there presumes you know, pursuing their dreams and their goals and, and uh, making that finish line. And, and everyone's out there supporting them, which is just absolutely amazing. It just shows how you can pull the world together on, on one start line and one finish line. Yeah, awesome. It's great to see. Uh, There's no uh, political implicate, implicate in there at all. Implications? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank goodness for that. We've had enough political implications recently. But on that note, yeah. um, hey, look, guys, what a great session. Really appreciate you both. Um, there is so much depth here and inspiration to people out there on what you guys have accomplished and uh, just privileged to have been on the start line and the finish line with both of you at certain areas. And coming up, uh, John, what do you think? We should get Welchie on this call at some point. Um, he's got a good connection as an Aussie brother and world champion. And uh, Bob Babbitt is coming up, I think, in two weeks. Uh, we've also got Bob Murray, who was the head scientist at uh, Gatorade Sports Science Institute. So invited him on, yeah. Wendy. He will talk to us all about electrolytes and making sure the body has enough uh, uh, p potassium and sodium in the body. But good fun, everybody. Oh, Please. yeah, I remember that Gatorade lab. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was. They they, they do a great mm -hmm. job. 
So yes, uh, they do. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that share button. Let's push this out. Let's get more people involved with OK Boomer. And uh, John, it gets back to the book. So there's a link here in the bottom here about buying John's book. 64 pages, about an hour read. It'll change your life because change is a constant challenge. So get into that. We're going to need to sell more books. Okay, guys. Good. Well, thanks well for thank you. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys giving me this opportunity to tell my story again, and it's always wonderful being a part of uh, what you're a part of, John. You're such an inspiration to everybody, and David, I'm really happy that you live like 10 miles down the road, and I still haven't seen you. Right. Um, <laughs> Time to get we'll some. Get there. We'll get um, some skiing or snowshoeing in this winter. How's that? We'll definitely get an adventure or two in this winter. Right. We'll make one, but. Uh, Always great seeing you guys, and uh, you definitely hold a special place in my heart, and it's just awesome. always great to see you. Awesome. We'll do that. And Joshua, thank you for being behind the scenes guy, putting this all together. And uh, Joshua is actually going to teach me how to snowshoe, so he's very excited about that. Anyway, over and out, guys. Till next week. Uh, have fun. Be good. Change the world. Change yourself. Be better tomorrow, uh, better than you were today, and we're great.